0: This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God for it. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, open our ears and our minds and our hearts to the word you have for each and every one of us this day. And as I, your servant, stand before you, I pray that I would decrease that you would increase. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Later this weekend, Pastor John and um, David Katie are both going to be preaching about um, they're going to be preaching on the theme, who is Jesus? So when you think about the Lord, Christ the Lord, there are so many different ways that we can define who Jesus is. But tonight I'm going to do something completely different. I want to focus on not only who Jesus is as Lord, but a little bit about how he got to be that way. And I want you to to imagine this. Remember, just as we said in the the Creed, as we open worship tonight, Jesus is begotten of the Father. He's light from light, true God from true God. He's fully human and fully divine. So we have all of these qualities that we imagine From Jesus that we always associate with his divinity you know his ability to heal people his ability to to not just heal by placing a hand on someone or calling out a demon but he could even heal by speaking words um, and from a distance to have someone brought back to life and brought forth from the dead Like when he takes Jairus' daughter by the hand and says, little girl, get up, and she sits up on her bed. When he has the woman with the hemorrhage grab hold of his garment, and after 12 years of bleeding, she is healed. When he speaks to the centurion's slave to be healed, he doesn't even go to the man's house. He just says, his faith has made him well. All of these are examples of Jesus doing these supernatural, amazing, wonderful things that we can't ever imagine being able to do. But we also remember that Jesus was fully human. And so that means all the things that we struggle with, all of those barriers that we have, being tired. You know, the Jesus who's asleep in the boat when the storm is tossing him to and fro. He needs to rest just like we do. The Jesus who wants to sit and eat a meal, even with sinners, because he's probably as hungry as we get. All of these things are the Jesus who is human. And when we think about what makes us great disciples of Jesus Christ, it's recognizing that we don't have the power alone as humans to be able to do and accomplish all the things we want to do. And we hear a glimpse of that in these scriptures as we're thinking about Paul speaking to the Corinthians, talking about how when we do something, we have to do it willing to win, willing to put forth our best and to do everything that we can to be successful, to put in the discipline and the training to be not just strong physically and mentally, but spiritually. Especially this time of year, when we're thinking about entering into the season of Lent and how we're going to take on new disciplines that shape who we're going to be and how we grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. We struggle, though, with that human side of us that forgets how weak we can be, that human side of us, too, that we are weaker than we truly are. We struggle with all of those things. And that's why I love the image Hall uses, this athletic image, specifically when he talked about fighting like he's a boxer in the ring. Now, I don't know how many of you love boxing. Ladies, how many of you love boxing? You watch men get in a ring and beat each other till they bleed and one keels over. Right? Okay, yes! <laughs> Men, do any of you like boxing? Well, some of you are like kind of raising your hands a little bit. But well, we love the pure, the sweet science of boxing, but not all the hoopla and managers and the and all of that stuff, amen? Hey, but I want you to think of the sport in its purity. And what I love about boxing most as a metaphor for our Christian life is that none of us can deny that we spend every single day of our lives in a ring getting pummeled from somebody. Amen? You've been there? So we might not like to watch it on TV, but we've all been to that place where we feel like someone is trying to attack us. Whether it's a spiritual attack or an actual physical attack, we always feel like someone is coming at us. And that's why I I love this vision that Paul has about being someone who's a boxer in the ring, who's fighting with all that they have. But what I I want us to think about, though, is not just the physicality of that boxer in the ring, but the purity, that the, the thing to the boxer in the ring is not just his own strength and his own might, but who he has in his corner. And it's a great corner man, I have to say man because there aren't any corner women that I know of, they're probably out there, but the great corner men who care about and know and, and can speak on behalf of their fighter and they know when to throw in the towel when they need to be saved from what they're in the midst of. But a true corner man can bring out something great in the fighter that they don't even know is within themselves. I was looking at at, uh, some history of boxing, and one of the greatest corner men of all time was a guy named Angelo Dundee. And he was the corner man for a few boxers you've probably heard of. Um, He had met a 16-year-old guy named Cassius Clay, And had worked to train him and make him a great boxer. And he was there in, in Muhammad Ali's corner at the greatest fights that people list of all time. And he was also the corner man for Sugar Ray Leonard. And just so many greats in boxing. But what people always talked about was the true care that Angelo had for his fighters. Even till his death, when he was 90 years old, um, back a few years ago, he still called Muhammad Ali his kid. He still saw him, even though he was the greatest fighter that had ever been known, he still saw him as that kid who lived seven miles from the gym and wouldn't even have a ride half the time, but would run each way because he was so intent on training. But one of the things he's famous for... Is a conversation that he had um, with Sugar Ray Leonard when he was in the midst of a fight. And you've probably heard the line before, but he says, You're blowing it, kid. And it was that moment that Sugar Ray Leonard says um, that, you know, it doesn't seem fitting. We would never tell a kid today that they're wrecking their game in the middle of it, would we? Because it would destroy their confidence. <laughs> We would think there's no way they'd be able to live live beyond that, but but no. Angelo knew his fighter, and he knew that if he told him you're blowing it, kid, that something would ignite within Leonard, and he came back and won a stunning victory. But he said that it was knowing that his corner man could speak from his heart like that that helped him to do the impossible. And, and Leonard says this about it. He says, I'm exhausted. I'm totally whipped. My left eye shutting. Everything is going wrong. But what like he said activated something in me. He activated that nerve. And Ali spoke of that feeling, too, when he said beating Joe Frazier in the third fight was the closest thing to death he'd ever experienced. People can do more than they ever believe they can do. Physically, mentally, academically, you have to be pushed. It hurts, but it's worth it. And it- So I want you to think about who is it in your life that pushes you spiritually to grow? Who is it that you turn to in your hurt? who's saying either you've got to retreat from what you're in the middle of because you're not spirit-ready to be fighting what fight fighting now and pray about it or spend time with who can lift you up, stronger, you fang, to who is it that can do this? Get back in there. You're blowing it now, but get back in there. Who is it that's important? And I love when I think back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry that he also, some his heart, all out some things in prayer to do his mom mother Mary because remember just at a wedding at Cana, and they've run out of wine which we know is a terrible thing to happen at a wedding and, and she says to Jesus they don't have any wine and Jesus says woman what does that have to do with me don't you just love that line I mean how human is Jesus to say that to his mom Woman, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Then he says this. (laughs) but Jesus says this. My time hasn't come yet. That's such a human moment. Because Jesus is not, he he knows who he is. He knows who he is. He's no life. You can imagine this woman whispering to him, you are the son of God. We remember him being lost in the temple. Like his family forgot about him for three days' journey. And we know all about that because we forget our kids from time to time in different places. And he said, I'm in my father's house. You would know you can find me here. He knows who he is as the Lord. He hasn't come yet. And that's this human moment where hes he doesn't think he's ready. Do a miracle. But his mother calls it out of him. She tells everyone there, all the servants, do whatever he tells you. And we know how the story goes. There are these jars of water, and he turns the water into wine, and it's the best tasting wine that anybody had ever ever known. He saved the party, and everyone said, we definitely want Jesus to come to our parties from now on. (laughs) But that's... That moment, that moment of his mother saying, get in there, get in that ring, show who you are, not by having to give him a lot of words, but just that push. All of us need that person, and we've been talking all last month about us being that for someone else, sharing life with people, but the truth is we all need that person in our corner that's going to push us and share, not just share life, but to Push us to be even better disciples than we are. To do what we think is impossible. To go beyond our human limitations and grasp hold of the greatness that God wants to unlock in each and every one of us. And so my prayer as we enter into this season of Lent is not just that we'll take on these disciplines where we're beating ourselves into submission and we're becoming spiritual gladiators on this journey, we find the people to be in our corner, to help fix our cuts, to help speak hope and truth to us, and help us know that none of us are alone in the battles that we face every single day, and I give thanks to God for the church, because the church is where we grow as corner men for one another. And where we find as fighters in this bit of life that we're a part of, we find the corner men we need to live and grow and be all that God calls us to be. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, sometimes we feel broken and battered and beaten from every single side. But you're in our corner. And sometimes the way we find you in our corner, God, is by finding brothers and sisters in the church to stand in that corner for us and help us to see when our eyes are too bloodied to help us to keep going when we think we don't have any more to give. And we pray that you will send those people that we need into our corners so that we can fight in this life to be your victors. We pray all this in the precious name of Jesus, who was not just fully divine, but fully human, who bore our sins, died our death, and rose for our sake. Thanks be God. Amen.